If you have your Bibles, would you open them please for a moment to the book of Psalms, Psalms 127, Psalms 127, and here we go. Psalms 127. How many of you use a Bible in a book at church? Let's just find out. I'm not going to preach against you or anything. Uh, okay. How many of you, it's on your phone or iPad at church? Wow. Look at all the modern people. Whoa. All right. I can see. I can see us up in heaven saying, get the new look from the iPad. Get the new look from... Uh, anyway. So is your name written in... Uh, anyway. So uh, Psalm 127 now, I'm going to ask you to just, just help me on purpose. There will be something in the message for you. If you'll listen, there'll be something in the smorgasbord for you. It's, it's so easy. I was, I was telling Brother uh, T.C. Holsey tonight. I said, how would you like to be a pastor? And you're speaking to kindergartners age five all the way up to 90-year-olds. And you're trying to relate and have something for everybody. Real difficult. And sometimes when we speak on a subject like this, it's easy to say, well, that's not me, and you just turn it off. Uh, you know, we speak on marriage, and someone says, well, I'm not married, or I'm never going to get married, so that's it. Uh, or we speak on child-rearing, well, I don't have kids, or my kids are grown, we just kind of do that. So on purpose, I'm just going to ask you to listen on purpose tonight. Um, I'm going to make sure this is recorded and just try to get it to as many people as possible. I wish someone would have said all this to me when we first got married and started having kids. You know, who is there to tell you? Uh, you know, we sometimes laugh. I, I, I kind of kid with new couples that are having children. When they come to church the second week and their eyes are all bloodshot. And that cute little bundle of joy is keeping them up every hour on the hour and they can't sleep and now they're kind of nippy and, and uh, you know, the joy of having children, it's, it, it's, it's hard. And so um, anyway, with that as introduction, let's just look in Psalm chapter 127, if you would please. Psalms 127. And here's what the Lord says, except the Lord build the house. And he's not talking about a physical house. He's talking about a home. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. He's talking about sorrow over your children, sorrow over your grandchildren. Can't sleep, I'm worried about them. For he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. There's always been uh, people kind of kidding on how big that quiver is. Sometimes people have two kids and they say, my quiver's full. And someone else says, you know, we have 12 and our quiver's full. So, so some people have bigger quivers than others. That's what I'm saying. And then he says, they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Speaking about kids. And then a couple of verses in Psalm 144. I want to look at this for just a moment. Psalms 144. And he says in verse number 12, he says that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. Notice the word he uses. 
from chapter 127. He uses the word happy. Verse 15, happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So whether you are a parent having children, or one day you're going to be married and have children, or you're a grandparent helping your kids raise their children, or you're in the church working with children, all of us come in contact with kids. And there's a lot of wisdom here in God's word that we need to know to help the next generation. How many of you would testify that there was someone beside your mom and dad that had a major influence on you when you were young? My hand is up. It wasn't just my parents. It was others too. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here. Uh, We could call this the ingredients of a happier life. When the kids make you proud, you're a happier person. When they break your heart, you're a very unhappy person. And so it's a lot It's a lot to this, and uh, we could call this tonight kids' burden or blessing. Burden or blessing. Father, bless this time we have. I'm just going to get on the train and kind of give out some information and some help tonight. I pray that you would help young people realize one day, a lot quicker than they think, they could be walking down an aisle being married and soon raising a child or um, maybe grandparents one day helping, helping raise the grandkids. I just pray you'd help us. Help us have a vision and see how applicable this is for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a visitor at a very large church years ago. I'm not sure the city. I read a story. And it was a couple of thousand people in the auditorium. The pastor stood up to speak. He didn't have any illustrations, wasn't very funny. He just, just didn't keep the people's attention and people were just kind of dozing or just kind of losing interest. And, but it was 2,000 people there at that church. And so the visitor kind of poked someone next to him who looked like a regular attender and said, excuse me, um, why do all these people come here? He said, I'm not being critical, but obviously it's not for the sermons. (laughs) Why are there 2,000 people here? And the person next to them said this, have you seen their kids? They have six of the sharpest kids we have ever seen in our lives. We show up every Sunday hoping he'll tell us how they did it. I thought that's pretty cool. He said, I don't like that story. It was, it was seven kids. It wasn't six, but it was, it was six. Many people in the Bible, it seemed, were pretty good parents. Excuse me, pretty good Christians, but they were lousy parents. As we look at David, the psalmist, sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after the heart of God. We know of only one of his kids that turned out, only one out of all the many that he had. So can someone come to church and be a godly person and their kids go to the devil? The answer is yes. So we want to pick up some of these tips here tonight. We've said this statement often, it's hard to do something you've never seen. Some of us were raised in homes where there was not a lot of love. There was not the dad bringing flowers to mom. 
There was not the celebrations and the birthday parties and, and the laughter and the fun and the memories and, the, uh, and those things. Some of you have never seen those things. So how do you figure it out? Years ago when the Wilkerson's came here for a marriage seminar, here's what she told me. She said, I'll never forget. Years ago we were somewhere and I bought this little cassette pack. And it was called Children, Burden, or Blessings. It was two sermons. I had done some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. It was on cassette back then. Mrs. Wilkerson was just starting to have kids. Guess what she did? She bought some materials to help her know how to raise kids. A teachable spirit. And if you've seen their kids, they've done a great job. Heard about a little boy. His dad was going to explain to him what it meant to be a Christian. He sat him on his lap. He said, son, here's what a Christian is. And he talked to him about 10 minutes. At the end of the talk, the little boy looked up and said, daddy, have I ever seen a Christian? So we want to be the examples to our kids. I want to give you the essential ingredients I believe the Bible gives us for turning out good kids. Now, stop right here. I don't want this to be a time of sadness saying, man, I wish I'd have heard this years ago. Or, man, I blew it with one of my kids and I can't go back. You know, as long as they're breathing, there is hope that God can still get a hold of their life and turn them around. Look at you. Many of us were not raised with the greatest homes and you're in church on a Sunday night. So it does have something to do with your choice no matter how you were raised. So I want to give you just several, just quickly. I think we'll be out on time. Number one, and some of it's kind of smart and it's just part of, is that okay? We go to the doctor, he says, lose some weight. Thank you. And then we pay the guy for saying that. And I know there's two things you never talk to women about. You ready, ladies? You already know. Clothing and their children. You never correct their kids because that's their kids. And you never make a comment about their clothing. And so tonight we're going to skip the clothing. All right. So number one, consistent parents. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want to look at it later, you can read all the scriptures. It's half a chapter, but it says... To parents, mom and dad, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. So before he deals with the kids, he says, mom and dad, love God with everything you have. Then he says, now teach your kids. When you're standing, when you're sitting, when you're laying down, when you're traveling somewhere, teach them all the time. Consistency. There's a scripture in the book of Hebrews. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's so important about, uh, important about raising kids is we as parents and leaders have got to be the same here as we are at home. It can't be this is our church face, this is our home face. Here's how we talk at home, here's how we talk to church. It ought to be the same. What you see is what you get. So important. Consistency. Consistent to church, consistent to uh, witness, consistent uh, in our love. Number two, an example. 1 Timothy 4 says, be thou an example. So in other words, as kids, just watch mom and dad. This is how you do life. Number three, I want to give you this one here. We have to have rules. Just as this book has some rules in it, we have got to have rules. 
Someone says, well, it's all these fences. Yeah, rules are like fences. I love fences. When I'm out soul winning and I see a great big old, is it a mastiff or mastiff or something? I don't like them. When I see a great Dane or whatever I see, I saw one the other day. I was with a, a brother Freeman. And it was like this lion roar. It was a roar, just a deep bark. A six-foot fence. The dog was on its hind legs and his head was looking over the fence. That's a big dog. It must have been some part wolf, part some. I mean, it was something. You know, I love fences. <laughs> I love that fence. I love other fences. Why? They protect us. Rules protect us. The Bible says in Titus 1.6, the requirements of a deacon. It says their children not accused of riot, get this word, are unruly. They keep the rules. Uh, there's rules at work. There's rules in the Bible. There's rules in marriage. Fidelity, being faithful. You've got to keep the rules. I was in contact with someone today that I know. And the throwing in the towel after 39 years of marriage. One of them broke the rule. They broke the rule. And the mate said, we're done. Here's the divorce papers. Here's how it's going to go down. We can make it easy. We can make it messy. We can make it pretty, however you want to do it. But you broke the rule, and there's no turning back. This is done. There's rules in all relationships. Got to have some rules in the house. Number three, number four, whatever this is, no timeouts. No timeouts. Wherever we learned that, maybe it was on sports ESPN. Timeout! That's on a sports team. That is not in child rearing. Here's what the scripture says. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. Children are good actors. They can scream bloody murder. I think Hollywood, I think it was Alfred Hitchcock contacted my daughter Faith to see if he could use her voice on one of his horror movies. She could scream, blood-curdling screams, and we hadn't even started the spanking yet. And then it's like, oh, well, we ought not. Boy, they're good actors. He says, let not thy soul spare for their crying. He that spareth his rod, here's God's word, hateth his son. The rod and reproof give wisdom. God's not concerned with us giving too many spankings. He's concerned with us not giving enough. We're not talking about beating. We're not talking about uh, uh, bruises. We're not talking about backhanded. We're not talking about a fly swatter. Or sp uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about controlled discipline for disobedience. It was Bill Rice, the evangelist. Someone said, did your dad spank you? He said, he sure did. Did you still love him? He said, sir, if you would have gotten a spanking from my dad, you would have loved him just for stopping the spanking. <laughs> my wife had never been spanked properly like that. Many of you were not. It was a fit of anger. Somebody be angry. Maybe it'd be a backhand or something thrown or, or maybe a kick or something. And, and all unbiblical. So when she was staying with her Aunt Pat, Aunt Pat had two sons. And she had rules in the house, Ben and Joe. She'd say, Ben, go to the bathroom right now. And my wife would say, can I listen? 
she would go up to the door and hear Aunt Pat say, now Ben, did you hear the room? And you were pulling on Joe's hair and we don't do that around here. You get that? Now bend over this toilet. Wow, 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 wow. All right, let's pray. But she listened to how she did it. You know, it's sad. That was my wife's total training of child rearing, listening through a bathroom door. You say, well, pastor, what's wrong with... Go to your room. Here's what's wrong with that. It's like prison. Uh, We got several people that have worked at San Quentin before, the prison. I've spoken in several prisons. Take a hardened criminal, send him to a cell for 20 years... And then let him out. Is he better now? Stay in that cell. We'll slide the food under the door and the water. You can walk around the, the yard once a day. He'll be better. He'll be reformed. He'll be a great Christian. No, no, no. He's getting angrier. Why? He just got time out. David had a son named Absalom. Absalom was a rebel. Absalom arranged the death of his brother. Had him killed. David found out, told Absalom, you leave. He gave him time out. Excuse me, Absalom fled to his grandfather. By the way, it's important. Make sure grandparents are on the same page as the parents. You grandparents, help them figure it out. You cannot be a division between the grandkids and their parents. Help them out. So, well, they're doing a lousy job. Give them some wisdom. So Absalom goes to the grandparents and finally he... He starts to come back home, but David says, go to your room. He's a grown man. I don't even want to see your face. Go to your room. And while Absalom did that, it brewed in his heart. It brewed and brewed and brewed. He said, I'm taking over the kingdom and I'm killing my dad. Why? Three years later, Absalom comes to the king's house and David kisses him on the cheek. Three years later. In my Bible, I wrote, three years too late. It should have been, son, I should have handled things and I'm sorry I didn't handle things and you became the vigilante and took it in your own hands, which wasn't right. And let's work this thing out. Absalom didn't know what to do. He knew something needed to be done. But David kissed him three years too late. He'd given him time out. Let me encourage you. Get away from that stuff. Deal with the issue. Finish the job. It's over. Some of you old timers, maybe your parents sent you to your room. Go to your room. And then it would be with no supper. We didn't even get to eat. And then in the morning, we didn't know if mom and dad were still mad at us. You know, God doesn't deal with us like that. When our heavenly father spanks us, he spanks us. We confess it. He hugs us. It's over. The spankings ended. You don't have to worry if he's mad at you anymore. Let me encourage you. Deal with things. And then get past it. Someone said, raising kids is like raising a garden. You give the garden some things. You take some things out. But if you leave it alone, it'll be taken over by weeds. In the book of Proverbs, it says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Let me encourage you parents. Let me encourage Sunday school teachers, bus workers. You've got to know where they are at all times. We have a fellowship. You need to know where your kids are at all times. If you're sitting down eating, you need to know one's on the ping pong table. Well, hopefully not on the ping pong table. That's why we get a new ping pong table all the time. Uh, One's over here and one's sitting over there. You ought to know where they are. 
They ought not have to run a commercial on television. Parents, do you know where your children are? You ought to know where they are. You say, Pastor, my kids would never do anything unbiblical. I know, murder's in the Bible. <laughs> All sorts of things are in the Bible that are... Anyway, number next, number six, I believe, time. They've got to have time. You ever see some couples and you think they probably shouldn't have ever had kids. They're too busy for them. If you don't have time to train and raise the kids, don't have them. Don't have them. If your life is so busy with other activity, don't have kids. It takes a lot of time. Not just television, but talk, touch, activities, talking about life skills, teaching life skills, philosophy. I was talking to Brother Schulte the other day. We were sitting down having a cold one. No, excuse me. Man, Amanda just got that on my mind for some reason. But we were sitting down. I said, Brother Schulte, tell me about your six kids. He said, Pastor... We celebrate every birthday. We celebrate every anniversary. He said, and when we get together, there's not fighting. There's not feuding. They're all looking to see how they can help another uh, sibling. Boy, they worked hard at that one. I asked him if I could be a Schulte. We're trying to turn something out different. Something different. Number next, quickly, character. We want our kids to have character. What is character? Right by reflex. You've been to the doctor and the doctor hits your knee and that just knee pops up, just, just, just can't help it. That's what we want from our kids. We don't want them to behave when we're watching. We want them so trained they're behaving when no one's watching. Because if all they ever do is do right when someone's watching, they'll do wrong when no one's around. So that's what we want to put into them, character. Doing things, what is character? Sometimes it's doing things that you don't like to do. It's that term paper. If you're on a sports team, it's all the running. What's running got to do with the game? I like making the buzzer, uh, the winning buzzer shot. <laughs> but there's a lot of running before that. Punctual is a part of being, uh, 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 having character. Finishing a job. Cleaning your plate. Say, this is so fundamental. I, yeah, I know. Eating what's on the plate or going hungry. Let me say to you, young parents, stop making three meals. Well, they don't like this, so we're cooking this for them. They don't like this, so we're cooking this for them. And he don't like this, so hey, just throw it on the plate. They don't like it. They'll eat eventually. Well, our cat likes, our dog likes this cat, and our cat likes that. Hey, you put something in that bowl, it'll eat it or it'll starve. Okay, moving right along. Now we're into animal cruelty right here at church. Let me say this too. Teach, teach gratefulness. It ought to be if your kids, if anyone gives anything to your kids, there's a thank you note being written by them. 
And as you train and train and train, pretty soon, hey, uh, when am I going to see so-and-so to, to give them a note? You know, they gave me something for my birthday or they uh, uh, gave me something the other day for camp and I just want to acknowledge that. Brother Chapel, when he hires staff, he'll have different leaders in the church take them out. They may be in town three days and they'll have maybe nine meals. Nine different couples will take them out. You know, it's kind of interesting. Okay. And he said, if any of those couples do not hear the word thank you from the couple they're interviewing, they're off the list. One time. He said he wants a thankful staff. That's why I never got hired there. I never was thankful. I got tired of In-N-Out Burger nine times when I was there. Just kidding. Number next, start early. All right. Well, how early? I don't know. Pick up your toys. Put your dirty clothes in the clothes hamper. Let's fold. I still remember our kids when they were young, folding the washcloth. A kid can fold something. It may not be as good as yours, but they can do something. Start early. It was Moses was with his uh, mother and father till about age four. Then he was taken by Pharaoh's daughter. But he never forgot his upbringing. I want to give you this too. I think it's number eight or number nine. Few rules. Few rules. What rules did we have growing up? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Next. No talking in church. We don't talk. Once pastor gets to the message, we're tuned in. No running in any building. Not just in church. That ought to be in a public building. That ought to be in the mall. We don't run in a public building. What else? Get off the phone. Get off the phone. Who's ever seen... Don't point. Who's ever seen someone during church on their phone? Would you slip your hand up? Not during the songs or during the preach. Brother Bob, stop pointing. I saw you point at Lisa. I saw you. And uh, she's going to be giving you a timeout. And, uh, but here it is. That's, a, that's just a lack of training. We have some of the kids that ride the buses. They come in, sit on the back row, slouch down. Just, they're, on the, they're addicted to it. We're thinking of all this. Well, uh, you know, our addiction program, alcohol, drugs, cell phones. Anything that's got control over you, we have to get a victory over that thing. And that's a part of character, just a part of character. What else? A few rules. No interrupting. Obey right away. And let me encourage you young parents. It ought to be this question. Was it my child? Pastor has to say something. Hey, uh, I have to church. Pastor, was that one of my kids? Was that one of my kids talking to church? Was that my kid on the phone? Was that my kid that was doing such and such? It ought to always be. You're concerned that your kids are making it. Years ago, we invited these new converts to our house. I'd led the man to Christ. The girl was already saved. They had a child together. She was four. They wanted me to do their wedding. We had them over to the house. My wife prepared a meal. We sat down and we prayed and we put the food on the table. 
And the little girl pushed the food away and said, I'm not eating that. And it just got real tense. He was a bodybuilder like me. No, no, but he was a bodybuilder and, you know, they were pretty new in the church and I just kind of sat there like, okay, who's going to win this? Mr. Bodybuilder. I said, we have a bathroom if you need to take care of some business. She said, we do not beat our children. I said, I didn't say any word like the word beat. But if you would like to correct your child. There it is. I don't know what you usually do. All right, let's put her in the car. We drive around the neighborhood until she calms down. They were gone 30 minutes. Driving around the neighborhood to calm the little demon. Demon. What's a female demon? Demonette. The little demon. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Manel. The little demonette just calming her down. They finally walked back in the house and said, we just have to go home. There's the meal, cold. Because they didn't know what to do. They just didn't know what to do. Had a lady called the church one time. She said, do you cast out demons? And I just thought it'd be a fun appointment. I said, ma'am, what do you mean? She said, I've got a four-year-old boy. And I believe he's got demons. And the church I go to, they couldn't cast them out. They got a padded cell at our church and they couldn't get them out of the boy. I said, bring him on. He came in my office. I, I said on the phone, I said, so what's he doing? Sometimes he'll just jump on my back and try to choke me and hisses. He'll knock things down in our house. He's destructive. I said, Wow. She brought him to the office. As soon as he walked in the door, he started knocking books off my shelf. I said, sit down. He looked up. I said, what do you feed this boy for breakfast? Well, we can't control him. He'll eat candy bars and he'll drink soda and he'll eat sugar frosted flakes and we just can't control what he does. I said, ma'am, you ever spank this child? We do not beat our son. I said, ma'am, I've come to the conclusion, just looking at your boy, he does, he does not have a demon, but his mother does. And that was the end of the appointment. And I didn't have to counsel them anymore. It was short and sweet. Do you allow back talk at your home? Murmuring, last words, tantrums. Is this the quote of one of your children? If it's first, I don't succeed, cry, cry again. We used to tell our kids, how would you like never to get another spanking? And they would do this. And then we would say, obey everything we tell you to do right away with a good attitude. Five kids, we have five. Some of you have more. Our kids were not perfect because they were related to my wife. I mean, her and me, I mean, both of us. They've got Adam's blood in them. We're cleaning out some things the other day and I was going through some boxes at Mr. Sentimental. I can't just throw something away. I got to go through everything. Okay, this is trash. 
everything. And I found three, no, no, four or five little slips of paper. There were the old demerit slips. One of our kids. Not going to tell you the name. It wasn't charity. It wasn't faith. The demerit slip said, did not do homework. Hmm. Another demerit said, disruptive in class. And it wasn't Paul. <laughs> Next demerit said, did not obey the teacher. By the way, and it wasn't Stephen. <laughs> then the last demerit said, threw demerit slip in the garbage. <laughs> and he's preaching Wednesday. You don't have to be a perfect parent to be proud of your kids. Some went through stages. Yours will too. If there's not a bump in the road, they're unconscious. Or you're not there. Never heard of any kid got born, obeyed the parents with a good attitude their whole life, never went through a phase, nothing. Never heard of that person. All five of our kids paid their own way to Bible college, graduated. We didn't, we didn't even have to help them. Mighty proud of them. I was in the hallway one, one Sunday night after church. And you know how it is. The marriage experts are always the people who've never been married. They know all about how to have a great marriage. The greatest parents are always those who've never had children. They know how you're supposed to do it. Well, I saw a new parent. And I'd just been kind of waiting to see how they did with their parenting skills. And they had two kids, one in each hand. It was, it was the dad. And I guess he had picked them up from some class or something. And I remember... And I'm just watching. One is pulling and throwing a fit. One's screaming and pulling and one's crying. And I just kind of looked and several people just kind of noticed him. And I think he knew he was noticed. And he said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I laughed. Some of you said, Pastor, please don't call our name. Our kids' behavior ought to capture the world's attention. So Brother Cavanis and his family called me one time. He said, when's the ta- uh, 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 last time y'all had a vacation? It was years ago. He called me. I said, well, I think it was, I think we, well, I said, babe, when, uh, I think it was, he said, well, our family has had some fundraisers and we're, we're paying your way to come up to Oregon. We're going fishing one night. We're shooting shotguns one night. We're hiking to a waterfall the next night. You're preaching for us on a Wednesday night. They paid everything, paid for the food, paid for the motel, not their church, their family. 
I still remember eating at their house. All the kids came in, and if, you know Brother Cavan is pretty good, you're always kind of on pins and needles. It's never like conversation. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what'd you do yesterday? It's, how are you doing? Really? How's your marriage? Really? What's God doing in your heart? Really? And so we walked in their, their house and we're all seated. I'm watching his kids. And they were probably 13 on down. And all of the kids turned and they looked at Kyle, the oldest, and said, Kyle, thank you for providing the meat for the meal. He'd shot a deer, skinned it out. As we're sitting there, we have iced tea and the girls are serving the iced tea. Mine got about this far down. One of the daughters got up and filled it up to the top, put it back down. They were serving the whole night. I sat there and said, this is how we're supposed to be training our family. <laughs> he had never taken the kids out in public when they were real young before he trained them. I believe Kyle was five. Who's the oldest? Chrissy? Who? No, Kyle, and then the next one is... Okay, Christy? Kyle, I think, was five. Christy was three. So they rehearsed at the house, getting the chair, pushing it in. Getting the chair, pushing it in for his sister. Ordering from the menu. How to put the napkin on his lap. How to hold the fork. When they went to the restaurant, the restaurant patrons stopped and just watched. They couldn't believe it. That's what our kids are supposed to do. Grab the attention of this old crazy world. How do you get your kids to do that? Well, it starts right here. Him helping us. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Let me give you the rest of the points. We're out of here. Number next. Train them to pay attention. Train them to pay attention. I got a letter years ago. Someone thought I was too nutty in the pulpit. And they wrote me a kind of a mean letter. And you're, you're a clown. And we came to hear a sermon and this and that. But sometimes the pastor has to be half clown, half acrobat. Make all these weird sound effects to keep the kids' attention because they're on a video game killing nine billion zombies. And it's kind of hard to compete and say, open your Bible. We're going to look at black words on white paper for about 30 minutes. And I hope this really excites you. Faith sent me some pictures recently, our, our daughter. She said, Dad, Eli, my husband, wanted us to have our own church service. So we practiced church at the house on a Tuesday night. Titus preached. Silas led the singing. Zoe and I helped sing the special. Kelly took the offering. 
and our dog was kind of a weird usher. <laughs> she had all these, you know what they're doing? They're training and they're making church fun and they're making it an experience. Let me hasten. Get them serving. Served people are not happy people. Serving people are happy people. That's why when a kid will get on a bus route, pass out the pumpkins and pass this out, sweep the bus on the way home, that's being a servant. Years ago, we started holding services at the rest homes and many of the little children would learn songs. They called it the joyful melodies. And they would sing at the rest homes. And they'd push those older people into the services and sometimes get bit. One of our kids, I still remember, right in the middle of the service, wow! They got bit during the service. It's exciting. Then I want to end with this. You want to make sure that you have their heart before they become teenagers. In the book of Proverbs, it was Solomon. He said, my son... Give me thine heart. Because here's what happens. When the kids get a little older, and I can't say exactly what age, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, it's all different. They get old enough to start making some of their own decisions. But sometimes those decisions may not be wise. What college? Military or not military? A job now that they're having to work Sundays and miss church. A friendship that's not healthy for them. An interest in a dating relationship that's, that's not good. Where when you see that guy or that girl, you're starting to get nervous. All sorts of, Jerry Pertel would say, all the alarms are going off. You want to have their heart. And be able to say, let's sit down and talk. I don't like this. On more than one occasion, I've handed a box of tissues to one of my kids and said, Dad needs to talk to you. What are these for? You're going to find out. Okay. Such and such relationship or such and such job or such and such college. It's over. This is not a discussion. This is an announcement. You can only do that if you have their hearts. And so that means every activity, every talk, every little date night, every little talk, every vacation, everything's putting money in that bank. So when you have to make that withdrawal, you've got their heart. Okay, dad. Okay, mom. If that's how you feel, you got more wisdom than I do. I'm going to trust you on this because I know you love me. And that's the key. We've given out a lot of material tonight. You've hung with it and I appreciate it a whole lot. Some of it, some of you won't use for years. Some of you will use it starting tonight. Let's take God's wisdom. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. We want every kid that ever comes here to make it. We want them to have productive lives, be blessed Christians, They're not all going to be in the ministry, but they can be a great godly layman that changes this world. May we be a help to that.